Welcome to the Love Life Podcast, episode number 36, how to start sleeping really, really well. It's February 13th, 2022. I'm your host, Lisa Lundy, author, blogger, YouTuber, motivational speaker, and obviously podcaster. I help people be well-loved, happy, and healthy, even when times are very difficult. And as my disclaimer, this podcast does not constitute medical or therapy advice in any way. And my music is by Howie Moskovich. This is by far one of the most important podcasts you could probably listen to if you want to be healthy and sleep better. And given the pandemic, what we know is that um, two out of three Americans are reporting that they either are sleeping more or less than desired. So sleeping disorders have skyrocketed since the pandemic began. And that is, according to the Lancet Neurology Um, Stress in America 2021. What we know from the research is that disrupted sleep can impact physical and mental health, which can further cause sleep disruption, according to Athena Akrima, PhD, a neuroscientist at the University College of London, who is studying cognitive dysfunction in COVID-19, including sleep disturbances. So there's kind of a vicious cycle that disrupted sleep impacts your mental and physical health, which then causes more disruptions. So this is something that you want to get in underneath and get a hold of and get going on because the link between sleep and mental health is strong and very clear according to the research prior to the pandemic. Now, they're still researching, but it is important for your mental health. Now, physically, according with relationship to your physical health, medically speaking, what we know is that deep sleep is the time that wounds are healed. White blood cells are created to help your body's defenses. Muscles are restored and growth hormone, hormone is released, making sleep critical to your physical health. Personally, I have coached a number of people over the last 20 plus years, and what I know from that is that when people make a commitment to sleep better, and they then go through the process to explore, evaluate, and assess what's interrupting their sleep, I have never had anyone who wasn't successful in becoming a really great sleeper. So there's hope for you, even if you've been a terrible sleeper for your entire life or you don't believe it's possible. Now, I am a great sleeper. I love sleep. So, of course, this is one of my favorite topics, like many favorite topics, because sleep is important. So what am I going to cover today in the podcast? Well, I'm going to talk briefly, touch briefly on quality of sleep versus quantity of sleep, give you some reasons why people have trouble sleeping, give you the benefits of sufficient and good quality sleep, touch lightly on the negative impact of insufficient or poor quality sleep, 
discuss how much sleep you need and then I'm going to get into the process or the steps for you to sleep better. I'll give you the takeaways and then the call to action for the podcast. So if you are new to my content, you can visit my website at www.lisaalundy to enter my current giveaway, which by the way is look, look, I, I want a book. Now the giveaway isn't up on the website yet, but it'll be up later this week and you will be entering, if you enter, you will be entering to win either a copy of my handbook on being well loved, happy, and healthy, or I have a gluten-free, allergy-free cookbook, and I'm going to give away a copy of each, uh, so a copy of each through July 2022. Now, that could go on longer, because I found from my first giveaway that I love doing giveaways. They're really quite fun, so I may go on beyond July 2022, but that's what I'm stating for right now. Very important that you understand my disclaimer. Here's my disclaimer. I am not a medical health professional or therapist in any capacity. I am not. That's not what I am. So if you are suicidal or thinking about harming yourself in any way, what I'm asking you and begging you to do is to please call the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline at 1-800-273-8255. I am asking you to tell someone, I'm asking you to talk about how how you're feeling, and I'm asking you to get help because there is help available. Please go ahead and put it on social media because I promise you, if you share your suicidal thoughts or your thoughts of harming yourself, people will help you. So that's my disclaimer. Now we're going to talk about the quality of sleep versus the quantity of sleep. So these are two different things and they're important. So obviously quantity of sleep refers to the amount of sleep you are getting each night in terms of number of hours. The quality of sleep however is something very different and it's not very well defined in my opinion. Although there are a number of factors referenced in the research that can help you kind of understand uh, the, the whole topic of quality of sleep. So four of the factors that are looked at when we look at, you know, what is, are you getting good quality of sleep include, number one, falling asleep soon after getting into bed, usually within 30 minutes or less. The second one is sleeping straight, straight through the night, waking up no more than once per night. Well, that once per night isn't actually a hard rule, but basically sleeping through the night, not waking up too much. The third <coughs> issue or criteria that's listed under assessing quality of sleep <coughs> is falling back asleep within 20 minutes if you do wake up during the night. And the fourth one is feeling rested, restored, and good when you wake up in the morning. So those are the four factors that are commonly listed in the research as far as assessing your quality of sleep. Now it is important to note, according to the research, that as we age, it is more common to wake up more frequently during the night. And as long as you fall back asleep quickly, that's okay and it's not going to hurt your sleep. 
So this, this, there's so much more I could say about the research on sleep. It's just, to me, it's amazing and fascinating, but it's really not going to be too, all that too helpful to you because if you're listening to this podcast, hopefully you're listening to it from, I'm not sleeping well, I want to start sleeping better, so discussing all the research isn't really going to forward that for you. So I left the rest of the research out even though I have it and it's interesting to me. The next thing I want to talk to you about is reasons why people have trouble sleeping. So you can listen to this list as kind of explore exploration. So as I cover, I'm going to cover the top 19 reasons why people have trouble sleeping. And you can kind of do a little mental checklist and see if any of these apply to you. Number one, stress and emotional concerns. Now that can include depression, anxiety, worry, anger, resentment, grief. The first one, stress and emotional concerns, is a whole big, whole big pile. <clears throat> Number two, mental health disorders. Next, trauma, sleep apnea, diet, lack of exercise, pain, that could be physical pain in your body or emotional pain. Next up, medical concerns. Now that includes things like the side effects of medications, neurological causes, hormonal changes, restless leg syndrome, and a whole lot more. Poor sleeping habits, improper temperature for sleeping, meaning it's either too hot or too cold, alcohol, caffeine, eating too late at night, going to bed hungry, TV, phone, electronics, inconsistent sleeping patterns or schedule, age, your environment, is not conducive to sleep, and lastly, allergies, dust mites, and other environmental factors that can contribute to sleep disruption. So those are some of the most common reasons people have trouble sleeping. Now, if you're having trouble sleeping, what I'd like, the next thing I'm going to cover is the benefits of sufficient and good quality sleep. So I'm not just talking about the amount of sleep you get. I'm talking about getting really good, restful, sound sleep, the, the quality. I want you to listen to this list from the standpoint, would these benefits be helpful to you? Would you like these benefits? Would anything that I'm covering be important? Because that's going to help you try to start to get a little motivated to take the actions. Number one, improved mental performance. That, by the way, is cognitive improvements. Improved behavioral performance. Improved mood, which, by the way, is emotional regulation. Next one's very interesting. It's improved memory consolidation, which is important, but we're not going <clears> to <throat> get into that. Improved immune system functioning. Well, while we have all these health concerns going on, anything you can do to improve your immune system functioning, I would suggest should be important to everyone. It decreases mood disorders. It decreases feelings of loneliness. It is a preventative measure against dementia, according to the research. It decreases risk for obesity, decreases risk for heart disease, it decreases risk for diabetes. It decreases the risk of early death. It makes you less emotionally sensitive and less socially sensitive. So if you're one of those people who's emotionally sensitive or socially sensitive, really getting good sleep will help you. It decreases the stress or actually the perception of stress. 
and it helps in site formation. So that's 16 benefits <coughs> of getting both good quality and the right quantity of sleep. So I'm going to contrast the benefits with the impact, the negative impact of insufficient sleep. So it's kind of the reverse of what I just went through. It impacts your judgment. It negatively impacts your mood. It negatively impacts your ability to learn and retain information. That would be the cognitive performance we talked about. Can cause an increased risk of serious accidents. Causes profound impairments in cognitive performance. Causes profound impairments in behavioral performance. Contributes to obesity. Contributes to diabetes. Contributes to heart disease. Contributes to an early death. It impairs immune system functioning, contributes to mood disorders, contributes to dementia, contributes to loneliness, makes you more emotionally sensitive, makes you more socially sensitive, and ramps up stress levels. So I think between these two lists, hopefully it should be extremely clear that if there's one thing that you have control over, and one thing that you could do to feel better and improve your health, it would be to address any sleeping issues you have. So how much sleep do people need? <clears throat> well, according to Dr. Dingus, who is a PhD professor and chief of the Division of Sleep and Chronobiology in the Department of Psychiatry at the University of Pennsylvania Perlman School of Medicine, there is a consensus of evaluations conducted by the American Academy of Sleep Medicine and Sleep Research Society that has concluded that between seven and seven and a half hours is what people should be aiming for. And I'm going to add my two cents. And when you're under a lot of stress or the world is in chaos, you should probably ramp that up. Sleep is, by the way, one aspect of self-care. So sleep is something you can do to take care of yourself. I have a whole podcast devoted to self-care and self-compassion because we don't really talk about self-care or self-compassion and sleep is one aspect. So this is one aspect and if you want to start feeling better, that whole podcast will help you. Now, as already mentioned in the benefits and the negative impacts, if you are one of these people who is emotionally sensitive or socially sensitive, seriously, according to the research, increasing your sleep and getting, of course, good quality sleep is going to really help you with those, those issues. And clearly, if you have health problems or you just want to live life and be healthy, then improving your sleep is one of the number one things that you can do, according to the research, because I already mentioned that there's certain functions of your body of repairing and restoring your body that can only happen while you're sleeping. So how much sleep you need kind of depends on you, kind of depends on your environment, etc. But uh, according to the research, you want at least seven to seven and a half, I would say maybe more. All right, now I'm going to walk you through the steps to get better sleep. And the first step is your mindset. <clears throat> so I want you to ask yourself, what is your current or your historical mindset about sleeping? What are your current attitudes and beliefs about sleep? 
<coughs> excuse me, and in particular, your sleeping history and abilities. What are your expectations when it comes to sleep? So having coached people in sleeping over 20 years, there are people who say, well, I'm just not a good sleeper and I just never sleep well and that's just the way it is. Well, that's a mindset. That's your history. That may be how it's been for your entire life, but that does not have to be your future. And this changing your mindset is critical. So <clears throat> you want to have the right mindset <coughs> for becoming a great sleeper. So number one, you want to expect to sleep well. You want to have that expectation. Number two, you want to respect and understand that you are going to function better both physically and mentally with the proper amount of sleep and good quality sleep. Number three, you have to believe that you can learn to sleep well. And number four, <clears throat> you have to treat sleeping like it is sacred, extremely important, and you don't let anything get in the way of your sleeping. Now, my kids used to get really annoyed with me years ago because, you know, as the, as the night wore on, I would be looking at the time saying, oh my gosh, what time is it? Because I... I do all those things. I expect to sleep well. I respect and understand that I do much better the next day when I'm well rested, physically and mentally. I believe that I'm going to sleep well, and I treat sleep like it's sacred, which was annoying to them because they were like, oh, well, I have to be up really early tomorrow morning, so I think I better get, get on to bed. So if you have the attitude that you've never been a good sleeper and that's how it's going to be, like that's, that's your future, then you've basically locked yourself out of improving your sleep by your attitude and your beliefs. That's, that's you might as well stop now. So <clears throat> if that's what you believe, you're, you've never been a good sleeper and it'll never happen, then why bother? Because your attitudes have locked you out of that. Your mindset is the first place to begin because you have to believe it can happen and you have to go through the steps. So get your mindset aligned towards, yes, I can learn to become a good sleeper. I can take the actions to become a good sleeper because you can. I mean, I've coached enough people. I know that this, this works. <clears throat> and you can go research it yourself. Because what I'm saying is in the research. Number two, so you get your mindset wrapped around you are going to become a good sleeper because you can. And you believe and do what I said, you know, that you treat sleep like it's a sacred thing. Number two, <clears throat> then you make a commitment that you commit yourself to becoming a good sleeper and you commit yourself to going through the steps and exploring why aren't you sleeping well? Because I'm going to talk about why people don't sleep well <clears throat> and what to do about it. And are you willing to make the changes to become a good sleeper? Everything in life starts with a commitment. You have to be committed. You have to be all in. So make a firm commitment and a resolution that you're going to do whatever it takes to become a really good sleeper because it's important for your mental health and your physical health. Now the next thing, number three, I have listed as number three, but most of you listening to this podcast, not everyone, but most of you can skip number three, go through the other steps, come back to three if everything else doesn't work it out for you. 
Number three is to rule out underlying medical conditions, not just sleep apnea. So there are, what you should know is that there are under, some, many, actually several, many underlying medical conditions that can cause sleep issues. And it's important for you to know that. Now, of all the people I've coached, this did not apply to them because they took the other steps and then they didn't need to rule out anything medical because they got it worked out. So let me give you some examples of medical conditions that can negatively impact your sleep or disrupt your sleep. Undiagnosed celiac disease, gluten intolerance, nutritional deficiencies, hormone imbalances, certain prescription medications, and the list goes on and on. So if you have certain, not all, but certain nutritional deficiencies, it will be, would almost be impossible for you to sleep. And clearly, sleep issues are well known and well documented for people who have undiagnosed celiac disease or some levels of gluten intolerance. So ruling out medical conditions, not just sleep apnea, uh, is something you can come back to if everything else I'm going to cover doesn't solve your problem. <clears throat> so number four is to set the stage for great sleep. And I'm not kidding about this. I know people want to discount this. I, I Listen, I have, well, dealt with enough people to know how people want to dismiss this. But you're going to set the stage for great sleep, which is your environment. So I, I'm not kidding. Like People like want to go, oh, that's not important. That is important. So what do I mean by your environment? And by the way, the research is very clear about environment being a potential disruptor for sleep. Um, so I'm talking about having a place to sleep that's inviting, that's, you know, clean, well kept. You want, you want to be in there. And a lot of people have their bedrooms, they're all messy, they've got stuff stored in there that doesn't belong, and they just really want to avoid it because it's unpleasant. So you really want to get your sleeping environment set up so it's a place you want to be. So in the research, by the way, uh, they list things like a room that's too light, a messy room, or dust mites. You know, there's there's um, several things that they list in the research. But basically, you want to set up your in sleeping environment to be welcoming, inviting, clean, and appropriate. And that, that doesn't have to cost you money. You might have to get rid of some stuff or clean stuff up. But everybody can put clean sheets on their bed and have clean linens to sleep in. So please don't dismiss or discount the 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 uh, the idea that you want to set the stage for sleeping. You want to have it be a place where you want to go into. All right, so that's number four. Number five is to rule out dietary concerns. This is another item that people I've coached really said up front, like, oh, no, I know it's not what I'm eating. Oh, I know it's not my food. I know it's not my diet. Like, that's what people say. Okay, I'm not saying you're saying that, and I'm not saying that you're thinking that. But I'm telling you, having dealt with enough people, that's the typical response. So food sensitivities or food intolerance can leave some people unable to sleep or with very poor quality sleep or very disrupted sleep. So I'm going to give you a real-life example from a young man that I coached a couple of years ago. So he was 18 years old, friend of one of my kids, and he basically couldn't sleep at all. Like he did, like he like slept nothing at night. And this was an ongoing chronic problem, not just like a couple nights. This was like the way it was for him. 
So what I did with this, so that was deeply troubling and concerning to me, knowing the impact on mental health, cognitive performance, physical health, and well-being. So eventually I sat down with him with his agreement, and we went through the content that I'm going through with you today in the podcast, and, and basically went through all the different things he could do to explore and figure out why he wasn't sleeping. Because there's always a reason, okay? People, the human body is designed to sleep. The body knows it needs sleep, and it's going to cooperate if you give it what it needs. So we had this long talk, and that was that. I He went off to college. I didn't see him. I saw him a year later, and he was so excited to see me, which, of course... I mean, I was happy to see him too, but his excitement was a little over the top. And, and it was because he wanted to tell me that he had solved his sleep problems and he slept like a baby. And you should have seen his face. He was so excited and so proud of himself and rightfully so and happy. And then he said, do you want to know what it, what it was? And I said, well, of course I want to know what it was. Like, he said, do you want to guess? I'm like, no. I said, there's too many things I can't guess. I have no idea. And for him which I was a shock for him, it was caffeine. Now, caffeine doesn't typically or often affect young people uh, so much or so dramatically. So what I found is as people age, sometimes their tolerance to caffeine goes down. For myself, for example, I learned in my early 30s that I could have caffeine, but not after 2 o'clock. If I had caffeine or anything caffeine after 2 o'clock, I would toss and turn at night. So I don't drink a lot of caffeine anyway. But ever since then, I just don't do caffeine after 2 o'clock because it's not worth it. I mean, I don't do caffeine after 2 o'clock unless it's accidental. Like I'm served regular coffee at a restaurant because the server's not paying attention. And then I'll know it. I mean, I won't know it then, but I'll know it like at 2 a.m., so for this young man, uh, you know, everything he went through, uh, he finally got to looking at his diet and he finally did remove caffeine and that's what it was. So I will say from decades of experience and practice with celiac disease and gluten intolerance, those are two things that can definitely impact you. Food dyes, by the way, and preservatives can also disrupt your ability to sleep well. Now, how common is that? Well, who knows? I mean, that's not something that's in the research, but I don't want you to discount the impact that food or drinks or beverages or food sensitivities or intolerances could affect your ability to sleep. Now, the next one, though, this that was five. This is number six is uh, a huge impact for people. So I would say of all the people I've coached, more people fall into this being an issue than say food intolerances or celiac disease. But number six is clearing your mind. Now, although I have listed this as number six, this is probably next to your sleeping environment and setting that up well. This is, in my experience, one of the biggest contributors to people having trouble sleeping. So here's the way it goes. People go to bed and what happens typically is uh, the day you know, rattles around in their mind or they ruminate over things that happened or they, they lay down and think about, oh, what, I have to do this tomorrow, I have to do that tomorrow, I hope I don't forget this, or I hope I don't forget that. So their mind kind of just runs, their mind runs. So my recommendation 
If you have any issues with sleeping, your quality or your quantity, before you go to bed, and I do mean before you go to bed, you get a piece of paper, or you could do it on your computer, I don't care how you do it, but you know, get a piece of paper and write down the things you have to do the next day or whatever else is weighing on your mind. It could be a bill you have to pay next week. It could be some appointment you need to make. Whatever is on your mind, put it down on paper before you crawl into bed. Now, once you get into bed and you lay down, if you close your eyes and then oh, you think, oh, I forgot I need to call, you know, so-and-so next week, get out of bed and write it down. Because you want to have a catch-all for what's in your mind because you want to have a clear mind when you go to bed. Because I promise you, if you don't, those are the things that will pop up because your, your mind is concerned about those. So you've got to remove concerns, worries, and issues on your mind. Now, maybe dealing with a trauma or a major situation uh, of, some, of some magnitude, and if that's the case, you know, put that on your list. Put a big box around it, you know, deal with emotional issue or deal with the problem with this, you know, whatever it is, put it on paper. Then you won't forget. It's been captured and, and, and do that as many times as you have to. Now, dealing with your emotions is also part of clearing your mind because uh, emotional things are one of the big reasons people have trouble sleeping. You know, we all know you're not supposed to go to bed angry or upset, but that's what people do. So for that, you can put it on your list, number one. But number two, you might consider, just you might consider learning to grow your emotional abilities. Because when you have high emotional intelligence, your emotions are not running the show. For a lot of people, emotions run the show. They get tanked, you know, something happens and their emotions are out of control and they get taken out of the game of life. And my second podcast, which I love, is called Emotions as a Superpower. And I'm here to tell you, emotions are by far a super, superpower. It's just that we don't grow up in the world, in America or the world, with high emotional intelligence ruling the day. High emotional intelligence is like phenomenal. It's got like, I think 29, I mean, it's like high emotional intelligence is like the best thing ever. So if you go to bed and you've made your list to clear your mind of the things to do and yada yada, and then you, you can feel, you know, sadness or lot grief or anger or whatever, then it's emotions that need to be dealt with. That's not a quick fix, but let me tell you, any human being can grow their emotional intelligence. Now, if you have some cognitive impairments or a mental health issue, you'll have to do a little bit more and it's a lot more challenging. But for regular people, anyone can grow their emotional intelligence. And that's one thing that you want to do if when you lay down you and you've dealt with clearing your mind of the minutia of things to do tomorrow and next week or whatever pops in your mind, then it's emotions. And so, and actually, by the way, so since we're talking about this, I will tell you, I assessed this with a friend of mine last year because we were talking about sleep. 
and I, and I kind of calculated, I probably have about five days out of a year, five days out of 365 where I don't sleep well. That's, that's like great. I mean, I'm thrilled with that number. And I can tell you those five days is because it's like some trauma or something happened and I'm still kind of working through it. Haven't like, you know, haven't worked through it before I went to bed. And as somebody with high emotional intelligence, that doesn't happen very often because I'm good at recognizing, pinpointing my emotions, managing them, processing them. And so it doesn't happen very often. But typically, you know, if you learn to deal with your emotions, you will probably only have a few nights a year where you don't sleep well. You know, this, this is really important. And, oh, my gosh, I could just talk about emotional intelligence forever because I love it. So clearing your mind and getting, you know, hold of any emotional things that are going on are probably, this is the biggest thing where people have trouble sleeping, in my opinion, having coached enough people. So those are the things right there, you know, clearing your mind of the minutia of what you have to do and then dealing with emotions. Now, again, I have actually, this is my 36th podcast and almost all of my podcasts will help you in some way to grow and develop. We're talking about growth and development here, which is phenomenal. And all of them will help you learn to sleep better. Because, of course, I have a whole podcast on anger. And anger is one of the reasons people don't sleep well, because we're terrible at anger. Like, as a society and as the world, we are just terrible. We are so terrible with anger. But anger is, can be healthy and it can be healing. And so if you know that it's anger, I mean, I'd still listen to my podcast about emotions as a superpower, but then you can skip to, you know, the podcast on anger. So that's clearing your mind and getting your mind all set up for sleep. Number seven is establish a bedtime routine or habits. Um, it's just really helpful because, you know, the, oh my gosh, the way the brain works is just fascinating. So when you set up a routine, you know, then your brain is like, oh, she's doing this or he's doing that. Oh, we're going to bed. Like your brain is really amazing because your brain has to do things habitually or by patterns because that conserves energy for your brain. So when you set up a habit or a practice or a routine, that conserves energy in your brain and your brain really likes that. Although doing new things is also good for your brain. So, but I, uh, you really want to, whatever that is, you know, turn off your electronics. Of course, you're already going to make your list for the next day. So that stuff doesn't come out. So that'll be part of your, your bedtime routine. You know, I don't know what it'll be for you. I definitely have a peer. I definitely make a list the night before I go to bed. I mean, sometimes I'll do it hours before I go to bed. I don't necessarily wait until I'm going to bed. I'll do it whenever I do it. Sometimes I'll do it in the afternoon. But I'm always working off of the list because I know that helps my mind. You know, your mind, your mind is not set up to be like this electronic calendar and keep track of everything. That's just not how your mind is set up. That's why we had calendars, by the way. That's why way back in the dark ages they had set up calendars because your mind's just not designed to do that. And people sometimes have this expectation like, oh, I should just remember I have this appointment next week. No, that's not how your brain is set up. You can expect that, but that's probably why you miss your appointments. So set up a routine and then a routine that you like, by the way. I mean, you're going to do this. Do it. Do it. Make it a routine that you like. 
Um, so, so, or habits, whatever. But then your brain is going to start to recognize, oh, we're in the bedtime routine. You know, you're wearing your PJs, you've brushed your teeth, you've put away your electronics, whatever you need to do to wind down, and then hit the, hit the sack. The next thing, number eight. <laughs> okay, some of the people I've coached <laughs> have really kind of enjoyed this, but, and you may or may not. So I'm a big fan of, so the, the, Number eight is create a fantasy dream for falling asleep. Now, I'm a big fan of this because it's kind of fun, like, right? So what you're going to do is you're going to create this fantasy dream that you're going to start while you're awake. So you're going to lay in bed, you close your eyes, if you pray, then you pray, okay? You know, whatever, you've done your habit, your routine, and then you're going to start dreaming while you're awake. So you're awake. And while you're in your dream that you're awake, you'll eventually fall asleep. And you can just like have like a wonderful time with that. Now, that might not be something that appeals to you. Another thing you can do, of course, we know from the research counting sleep, there you counting sheep, there you go. Something else people do, if you don't want to create a fantasy dream to start while you're awake and fall asleep to, then you can pray. I mean, lots of people fall asleep praying, and I know I've done it. I've done the... Um, I surrender, novena, refrain. Oh, Jesus, I surrender myself to you. Take care of everything until I fall asleep. So whatever it is that works for you, you want to have something that you're actively engaged in as you fall asleep that will put you to sleep. So that's number eight, and you could really have fun with that. I mean, I've, like I said, some of the people I've coached have, have found that to be delicious. All right, number nine. If you go through you know, getting your mindset and getting a commitment and then clearing your mind before bed and having a routine. If you go through and you look at your diet, is it, you know, is it caffeine? Is it something you're eating? Is it whatever? If you've gone through all of this and you're still having trouble sleeping, then you definitely want to seek medical attention and get a diagnosis if you've done the other things. Now, luckily for the people I've coached, they solve their own sleep problems without needing to seek medical attention. But some people do need to seek medical attention, and you don't want to have that be bad or wrong. Because, like I said before, if you have certain medical conditions or are on certain medications or, you know, have undiagnosed celiac or whatnot, you know, it's extremely likely you might have this underlying medical condition. So don't be ashamed or embarrassed if you do all these other things that I've mentioned with rigor, you know, with commitment. I'm not talking about being pansy, you know, half-baked. I'm talking about like seriously taking on and you're still having trouble sleeping, then, you know, you might want to seek medical attention. But of course, you do want to deal with that emotional piece that I talked about under clearing your mind because emotions are the biggest thing that take people out of the game of life. Something happens, they get upset, and they can't function. That's just common. That's so common, it's sad. It's very sad. But it happens all the time to the majority of people. So grow your emotional intelligence. So that's kind of the steps you go through to become a really great sleeper. So let's talk about three takeaways. Number one, good quality and sufficient sleep is critical to both physical and mental health. It's just critical. Number two, the benefits of sleep 
and having like an amazing life and feeling good, boosting your immune system and everything I covered makes it worth taking the action, going through the steps and making changes to be able to sleep really well. I mean, why would you want to put yourself at risk for all those things I covered in early death, dementia? No, you don't want that. You want to be healthy. You want to be well. So it's worth taking the steps. And number three, that there are so many steps to take that you can take to improve your sleep. You won't know how much better you feel if you don't take the steps and the actions to explore what is disrupting your sleep. You just won't know. You can take a guess. I mean, I never would have guessed that an 18-year-old man was having trouble sleeping because of caffeine. Never in a million years would that have been my guess. But that's what it was. So you won't know unless you go exploring. So here's my call to action. It's time to get to work on sleeping well because you can. It's time to realize that sleep is one of the most critical aspects of self-care. So get in on that. And lastly, share this podcast with people you care about and love because two out of three Americans are struggling with sleep right now. So that means most of the people you know are having some difficulty sleeping. Why wouldn't you want to help them? And let me know if you need more help on sleep because I want you to sleep well. All right, that's it. I'm Lisa Lundy saying thank you for listening to my Love Life podcast, episode number 36, How to Start Sleeping Really Well. I hope that you're going to take the actions I've outlined in this podcast to get on the road to sleeping really well, because you can. If you enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe so you get the new ones automatically. And definitely, please share this with people that you know and care about because too many people are having trouble sleeping right now. Please visit me at my website, www.lisaalundy.com to enter my giveaway and keep up with what's going on. I hope that you hang in there. Take care. Bye for now. And I love you.